1: Welcome everybody to All nest the Irish Examiner Basketball Podcast. This is episode number three. I'm your host Conor Meaney, and I'm joined by my co-host Kieran Shannon. Karen, you're very welcome. Likewise, Connor, and very welcome, I suppose, to your
2: new arrival. Um, we were talking last week with Mark Kavanagh was going to be in the maternity
1: ward, and and you were there this week yourself. And
2: good news, yeah.
1: It's, uh, look, appreciate it. Uh, baby number three has arrived. It's uh Got a uh, uh, we have a baby girl now, uh Florence, which is very exciting. We- you didn't call her
2: you weren't thinking of calling her Marion, or is there enough Marion in your life? No, it?
1: Dad went to school in Marion College, worked his whole life in Marion College and married a Marion, set up a, a Marion basketball club, so can't steal his thunder on that one. So uh no, it's uh, it's it's cool, it's exciting. It's um the first free agent we've had. So uh the two boys were born into Marion Club, they've already been signed up, but now we have to figure out uh, whether we have to restart the Marian uh, female section or not, and uh, yeah, so we have to figure that out over there. The, are the two
2: boys hooping already? Uh, ah, uh, no, uh, not, them, at all,
1: yeah. not at all, uh, not uh, at uh, all. No, those ones that uh, look, whatever they pick up will be great. They they do a bit of uh, the old, Arthur, our oldest, uh, is down in Clantarf, uh, GAA. Asher, we'll see where they go, but uh, it's good, it's exciting, and all healthy, and everything you could ask for in the lead-up to Christmas, really. Right. And yet, you were, you were able to fit in. Look,
2: you took in some of the games last weekend. You you still turned out the column. And just tell us what, what struck you last week. Like, we were talking on the ladies' front, I suppose. We were talking last week to Hannah Thornton. She was looking forward to going to Cork. It didn't work out for her. That, I suppose that was the big one. What struck you about watching
1: that one? Yeah, uh, Gladmeyer came out with a big win uh, down Neptune Stadium. There's... I guess two things. One, from just the, the pure basketball side of things, uh, Glenn Meyer were very impressive. They've got a lot of momentum at the moment and uh, they're playing against the best defense in the league but still found a way to score. And their American uh, has been excellent all season, leading the league in scoring. And DCU did a good job of limiting her to only 15 points. But when you have Irish players who can score, it makes such a huge difference. And you saw the likes of Anya McKenna, Claire O'Sullivan, uh, Mia Furlong, all kind of contribute and no matter how good a defense is they're not going to be able to take away everything from you they can only kind of take away certain things so I think that variety of offense was really the difference between the two teams and uh Meyer looked like they're they're really rounding into serious form now that they they could be the team to watch in the league um so it it was very impressive I, I just said on the basketball side of things the the one negative of it is that like we talked about it being such a huge game and everything else, and it, it didn't have the crowd and the platform that it probably deserved. Um, I And that's not to fault any of the clubs or anything else, but it's just I think as the league and everything else needs to do a better job of when we have these marquee matchups to really to milk them for all their work. But how, make- how, how, how could that happen? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. It, it maybe it's setting out these kind of key matches. Like even if you take the NBA, they have the Christmas Day games and everything else where they kind of ha- they set out in the calendar when there's marquee matchups, and not that they all have to be on the same date or anything else. But if if the likes of DCU and and Glenmire are playing that we know every year is a big game, that there really needs to be whether it's additional support or whatever it might be to to try and help them and and really give it the platform that it deserves because. Like our top players, some of these girls have just played in the arena in front of a capacity crowd in an international game. And then for like two weeks later to be playing in front of probably less than 200 people is just something that I think they deserve more. And it's just I think we probably need to put our thinking caps on collectively of how we support that a little bit more. I suppose,
2: even though it's in Cork and there's no Cork team in the women's uh, cup semi finals, we will have meteors. DCU will be a big matchup for one, and you would hope there will be a good crowd there. Probably be on the same bill as Emporium Cork and colleague their semi-final. Um, like Meteors are obviously the team that took out Glanmire in the cup. Um, you were impressed by them again at the weekend as well.
1: Yeah, no, the, the, look, they they, they played uh, Ulster again after after playing them in the cup the previous week, and they had too much for them. They the scary of Meteors is that they don't require Claire Melia to score all the time that she can facilitate and then pick her at times when she's going to attack a little bit more. So they're, they're, they're looking very good. It's it's rounding into like, we're getting close to the halfway point in both the leagues. And I think it's in the women's league, it's getting quite clear that we probably have Meteors and Meyer who are in the driving seat for the race for the league. And then, you, you now have, uh, like DCU have moved down to three losses, which kind of takes them that little bit below. And then Wildcats also, uh, we kind of identified the game last week as a potential uh, difficult one, uh, given that they had had to go to Liffey Celtics the week before in the cup, and they had to go back down again, uh, or back up to, uh, well, to, to there, uh, for the second week in a row, and, and they lost there. So um, it was a very impressive performance by Liffey. So, it's starting to get a little bit clear where the hierarchy is, and uh, there's still a lot to happen. And uh, even going into this weekend coming, we have uh, Eximire have to go and play against Wildcats. So, uh, like by Christmas time, I think we're going to have a really clear picture of where that race is, race is going. And then, look
2: in the men's, we were talking last week about the fallout and Neptune being out of the league. They had come off a couple of defeats in the league. You would have thought. The Sligo game was the ideal opportunity to to get back on the horse, but they were they were not the it again. Um, great win for Sligo, who it has to be acknowledged, like for their first time being back in the Super League, you know, in the century. Like, but for again, what, what struck you about what What do you think is the ramification there? Uh, like, we made the point last week that there's different formats. That while um, I suppose the women's league is first past the post, uh, the traditional league. The men's is in a playoff format, so Nemshawn have some scope. But We talked about the importance of them needing to hold it together in the wake of losing to the Cup, but here they are after a defeat. They have another home game. Um, What's your own take on where they're at and and where Sligo are at? I'll
1: start with Sligo. Uh, Sligo were really, really impressive. Uh, I I saw them. I've seen them a couple of times. Uh, They... uh, They shoot the ball really well. They they brought in a a number of players, but then they also had homegrown players who who played. Ushin O'Reilly, Keen Lally played well. Um, I I thought they did a really good job of just attacking off the dribble and then moving the ball well and shooting. And uh, they they've been a high-scoring team so far this year. This is the first time. uh, This is the first time they won where they hadn't scored over ninety points. Now they got to eighty-seven. But they, they show great composure even when Neptune were coming back at them. And I guess a measure of the fact that they have a couple of imports is that they're probably not a traditional uh, kind of first time in the league in a long, long time kind of club where they have guys who uh, it's a, kind of have this expectation that they're at this platform rather than guys who are trying to figure out what it's like to play in the Super League. So uh, they, they've done a good job, especially coming off. I saw. I took umbrage with it that uh, Shane O'Mara called it an embarrassing loss to UCD the previous uh, game, but uh, they, they did have a loss against like, we're obviously one of the weaker teams in the, in the country at the moment. And uh, they had lost there. So for them to bounce back and go on the road down to Neptune and win uh, was impressive for Neptune. It's, it's more of the same kind of issues. Uh, like there isn't a magic fix. There's uh like again we've talked about the american jordan evans uh he had two points at the weekend which just isn't isn't going to be good enough Mm. um and then the other part of it is that they struggled uh containing off the dribble a lot uh mark reynolds when he's on the pods i highlighted that as as an issue and we saw more of that again so the the positive for for neptune was like i was watching the the way the stream is the camera was just over the corner of uh their team bench, so you end up watching a, a lot of the bench reactions and the different things just to see how how guys are kind of watching it all. And they were up on their feet for like a lot of different plays, trying to encourage people. Uh like there was a lot of there were they were showing the the hunger and the care for it to be there. It's just the the discipline to do the things that were necessary just weren't there. And uh I, I don't think as i said i think i wrote about it, like it's not panic stations the nature of the playoffs with four teams in each conference going through like i a strong like neptune are gonna be in the playoffs i i don't think they're gonna they're gonna fall out of it that far but at the same time the chasing pack are uh, uh all one at the weekend so you have like you've kalord and Tralee, who are currently sitting outside the playoffs both one and the Culloden team's a very solid team. They've a, a number of good pros, and truly, we already know their uh, kind of uh, pedigree. So it's it's not panic stations, but at the same time, it's uh, I think this Christmas period is going to be really important for them that uh, yeah. they get a win against Moy Cullen next weekend is the plan, and then try and reset over Christmas so that and with no cup distraction in January that they can try and to start build back up so that kind of February, March, they're they're kind of have a renewed vigor to them. Well, a team,
2: I suppose, with a similar profile to both, Sligo and Neptune would be Blue Demons, UCC Blue Demons, who would have come back up from the First Division up to the Super League. And they've made a change and adjustment with their American, who we can talk about a bit more. We're delighted to be joined by Daniel O'Mahony. Danny, um, good to see you, Danny. Welcome to the podcast.
3: Likewise, likewise. And look, just first, you want to start by saying uh, well done to both of you. It's a great podcast. Enjoy watching it every week. And furthermore, Connor, congratulations on the birth of your baby daughter over the last couple of days. So cheers, congratulations.
2: Andy. Danny, I actually, I didn't get talking to you. I was done for the nip again. You, you, you arrived with um, a child in, in your own. You were carrying there with Jodie, I could see. Um and you were also look. The last time I was talking to you was just before you the, the eve of the league, right? Um, yeah, correct. And you were you were talking about the adjustment even in preseason. You know, a couple of the games you, you pointed out particularly particular, I think one against Tralee at the start. You're nine, ten games in now, and look. While well, this is the air altitude that demons are historically used to, what has the adjustment been like operating at these heights?
3: Look, I think I we spoke about it in pre season, the adjustment in terms of um, how quick teams can put p- points up in you. I think I spoke about pre season, we don't play a trillion. I was like, oh, the game's going fine. We're or, or grand and next within two or three possessions. We had turnovers. I think Jack said had three threes, and what was a three or four point game was in a 14 point game, you know. Um, and also, I think I spoke as well about just the number of players included on a scout report. Whereas last year, you know, in Division 1, you had, let's say, Limerick Celtics had Wafford averaging 40-something, Limerick Eagles had Manny Payton averaging 40-something. So when you went into these games, it was very much, let's stop uh, the marquee player and, you know, hopefully the rest of the results should take care of itself. Whereas definitely in Super League level, you know, even at the weekend there, we played against Tr- or, uh, Temple Oak, and as much as we thought we'd stop some marquee players, like Luke Thompson absolutely didn't miss a shot, had 25 points, and not that he wasn't on the scout report, but, you know, we were particularly concentrating on some of the other guys over him, you know. And I think that's just the difference, that every team has definitely got kind of seven or eight players that are capable of scoring 20 points any given night, you know. Uh, and go ahead, Conor.
2: No,
1: it's, uh, Danny, obviously you, you've also brought in a... A new American leading into that, just that Templeo game. You, you I was talking to you beforehand. You're excited about him before beforehand, and uh, he seems to have delivered. First week, he had 33 points, and not only that, I think he maybe even frees up Kyle a little bit more to be even more aggressive. They kind of complement each other nicely. Just talk about kind of why first of all you have to change, and then second of all, like what you're expecting out of
3: yeah, I suppose. Look, obviously, when we started off, everyone during the summer is recruiting and nobody's really sharing or talking about who they're looking at or what they're doing until, you know, the news unfolds two or three weeks till the season's out. And you see through different clubs, social media, that X team signed this player and that player. And, you know, and then before you know it, the games are competitive, you play against them. Um look, so Jeremiah was, you know, delivering on the court. He was doing everything we've asked. He was, you know, averaging, I think. Just under 20 points a game. Uh, could have been slightly a bit more aggressive in terms of the number of shots he was taking. Um, he had a tough start to the season. Obviously, Neptune away, Balloncology at home, two derby games. Um, and then it went into kind of game three where he picked it up. He had a good performance down in We He had a very, very good performance. He had 33 points against Mary, who at the time were undefeated. So everything was going you know, well. And he was really kind of, I suppose, coming into the league himself. Um unfortunately, against Killargan, he pulled up late in the game and he tore his uh, kind of quad. So we got him assessed that it was a grade one tear. I was told he'd be able for kind of two to three weeks. Um, with the kind of the cup weekend being one weekend, we do with a free weekend. It was like, OK, we got Sligo. We have Mike Cullen. He's a weekend break. And then we should have him back for Temple Oak. Um, obviously, we were fortunate. We lost the first game to Sligo by three points without him. And then during that game, we picked up another one or two injuries. So we went into the Mike Cullen game, kind of, I suppose. Four guys down, um, nearly missing 60, 70 points from the average scorers. And then we lost to the Mike Cullen game. So then at that stage, it was kind of like, okay, we're we're down four games down the league. two, The last two, potentially, we could have possibly won. Have we had, you know, a couple of more guys or some of the stronger players, things like that. Um, then we got Jeremiah assessed again and Vizio came back and was kind of saying, Look, it's looking, it could be another two to three weeks. So then kind of myself and the club had to make a decision, you know, like, you know, anyone who's missing five or six games in this league, that's nearly, you know, 33% of the league campaign. So all we had to do is kind of, I suppose, back to the drawing board. At this stage, it was a different recruitment process because we knew what the league had to offer. And we knew that, you know, the likes of, you know, John Jean up at UCD Marion was probably one of the prolific scorers. Then you had Dawson up in Ballin you know. A lot of, I think, within the top ten score, top eight scorers or the top ten, were all kind of within the guard position. And we were relying heavily on kind of, I suppose, Kyle was matching up to them. They were matching up to Kyle. And at times, we lacked that bit of creativity. Um, we obviously have, like, the likes of Kingsley and Tal on the inside. But we were going kind to, of at times, struggle to get them the ball when you know when Kyle was being picked up by somebody Amer- some of the Americans within the league. So we said look what we do is we bring in someone who, you know, I suppose could play the point, could help us create, um and look, MJ can kind of fit that fit that profile.
2: It's a... Uh, like Daniel, it's obviously you're steeped in the history of blue demons, you know, your family are steeped in it. And it's just interesting just how like so you're you're very familiar of the great history of particularly your own club. And um I've always found it fascinating. let like it's just how the sport has evolved. But like you would have historically had um, the best Americans were not in the backcourt. You know, I remember at the turn of the century picking the top thirty Americans ever to come here, yeah. and I think there was only two guards, right? And Blue Demons in particular, all their best Americans would have been playing the three, four, five. That's obviously changed the way basketball has changed. But how how has it changed? Like now that like I remember actually at that cusp, I remember Demons had a lovely little player, Toby Carberry, if you remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, would have the time being I wouldn't have picked him, would have been the consensus by people that you know you had great guards like um Shane was coming on stream at the time, et cetera. But like what what is it now? Because if you look at it, like you take even Traleed, the league day one with Calixte, which was a huge player last year, and as you said, the top scorers at the moment in the country are Americans who are playing the one or two. Why is it? How has that evolved? Why is it that now you're looking for a guard, and they're, that's where the best Americans tend to be recruited for?
3: I think we're kind of changing in terms of even doing the, the offense is going. A lot of teams are generally kind of playing with like a bit of an open post. They're looking to use kind of a pick and roll offense, spread the floor. Uh, a lot of the Irish guys are kind of more confident shooting the basketball now. So like you look at Trilly last year, obviously they had like Nico and Klickstein, obviously kind of run the pick and roll. The other three guys were spotting up and, you know, they ended up winning the league and the cup. Um, When we were recruiting at the start, we were kind of looking at the Super League and obviously Neptune and Trilly last year with, in my opinion, like you had Neil Sabata and then Nico Rosa from Trilly. So obviously we went with a big, uh, in Kingsley, our big uh, player from his, from Manchester. And then... Kind of obviously, we recruited away, and when we look now, and with Jeremiah's injury, it was like, All right, we need to get Kingsley more involved in the offense. So rather than putting everything kind of on Kyle, let's try bringing a bit of support function for Kyle, but also somebody who can do a bit more creation and get Kingsley more involved. And that was that was mainly it, you know. Um, it's it's kind of keeping up, I suppose, with what everybody else is doing, just to make your life, yeah. you know, you're not short handed against anybody. I think,
1: I think just one of the things that's happened here in the last few years is that you're seeing a lot of European fives come into the league who are fairly solid, who are able to kind of defend the basket, set big screens. That may not be the most polished offensive players. And uh, like Mario Markovic who played for us for a few years was like that. Um, he, Tralee had uh, a few different guys like that as well. So because that necessity isn't there anymore, then having the idea of having someone who's able to create a lot off the dribble and open everything up for everybody else is is a big thing. So, it's 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 definitely the way the league has gone. And it's a slight, the slight concern at a, a wider Irish basketball level is that when you get to the top level, our top guards don't have to create that much. So it, it's it's kind of. Reducing the amount that we have to develop our top uh, point guards because if you if you ask me who who's able to run a pick and roll in the Irish Super League and be very like good at it, you you have a very short list of Irish players who you kind of put on that list. You'd be kind of talking Kyle, you'd be talking Paul Dick. You wouldn't be talking a huge amount of other guys who are that comfortable having to do it. So that's why a lot of teams are bringing in Americans to do it, and it's just. It's one of those things that I'm sure it's going to evolve over the next few years where we have to get good Irish guards doing a lot of that work again so that we develop those because we may not have that many six foot ten guys, but we can certainly uh, bring in guards. And it's just how we develop them. Uh, but, Daniel,
2: like you, you obviously came through part of Demons having great underage teams. Uh, you were there on squads that won. Um, you know, through obviously the Shane Collin generation, if we were to say it. Then, obviously, after Collin goes, um, there's a dip for a few years. You know, then you, you you drop you drop out of league and then you go back into the first division. You you came back. Look, you spent quite a bit of time in Dublin. What was the Blue Demons you came back to when you came back to Cork? What, where did you find the club was at?
3: I suppose, like, even from my time living in Dublin, I was, I suppose, the ultimate fan. If Demons were playing over UCD, I was... Over there, grand early, you know, got a good seat, made sure I was the only, one of the only Demons fans amongst all the UCD fans, likewise up in Clester, you know, Um and that was it, and I suppose then it was always kind of like, oh, when I go back, I'll be able to go to as many home games as the road games, Um and then I suppose the summer then, when I was making the move back, obviously that's when the news broke, the Demons weren't going to be in the league, Um so being honest, I didn't really know too much kind of what to expect. I didn't really know too much about the underage structure at the time because as I said, well, in Dublin, I'd only kind of seen the Super League as they were you know, coming to play in the Dublin, against the Dublin teams. Um, and obviously, look, after kind of a couple of short weeks back, and I, I spoke with the club and, you know, I was like, look, I kind of want to get back involved and all that. And then the opportunity came to take the under-20 team. Um, look, it was never to me as a just under-20 level we got in straight away and you kind of groups of guys, you know, obviously look, Dave Lehan was an under 18 international at the time. Um, Jack O'Leary was under 16 Irish team at the time. So we had a couple of guys who were kind of in amongst Irish teams, you know, close to Irish teams, different things like that. So we had a good core from like under 18, under 20, that essentially, you know, in four or five years time, there could be a real good Super League or National League team here. So that was always kind of the expectations and, um, you know that was always the way we prepared. We never kind of prepared, or we never hung our hat on winning the under twenty Cork Championship against a local league team. You know, it was always like we were always talking about national success, and we were always kind of like always wanted, always wanted to achieve more. Really, you know.
2: The game changer was Kyle coming back. You you were pivotal in that. Like he had obviously gone over the Neptune to play at the highest level. So he even touching on what Connor was talking about earlier and um. But you know, he he dropped down a division to come back to demons. What was that recruitment like? You know, persuasion, sales, line, what what was that like? Because that that's what it
3: hinged on. Yeah, no, look, everyone always, I suppose, that's a popular question. Always thinks like, you know, like how did you do it? And like that? But look, for anyone I suppose who knows me and Kai, look, we are I suppose outside of basketball, we're best friends. He stood for me as my best man at my wedding, and I'm standing for him in August next year for his wedding. So the conversation was very, it was a friendly conversation, you know. I told him, obviously, that, look, I was going forward to coach Demons in the National League. I said I wanted him to be part of that. Uh, I spoke, obviously, about, like, even from those years, me in Dublin, Kyle's legacy as a Demons player, the Irish senior captain, all he'd achieved with Demons, I felt like, look, this, like, the way he went out was, I suppose, in his prime, Demons dropped out of the league and, obviously, Kyle had, you know, had to, obviously, go play elsewhere. Whereas we, we spoke about like what this could mean for his legacy for what he has won and then to come back to be, I suppose, kind of the driving force, the main player to get demons back into the Super League. Um and that was basically it, really, you know. And I think Kyle wanted that, like wanted that legacy, you know. How do you find how
1: do you find coaching him in the sense that so I've played alongside Kyle? Like Kyle's one of those teammates you absolutely want to have besides you He's brilliant. He also Probably is plays emotionally at, at times uh, in a good way uh, some of the time in a bad way some of the time. So how do you like? How do you tow that line of that kind of? Obviously, you're you're very close, and it's kind of you have that different dynamic when you when you two are, are there when it's game time.
3: Um. Yeah. Look, I suppose like when I always sat out, like i didn't even sat in with the team because we had a mix of like, so I suppose like Carlton, Kyle, kind of Ryan Murphy. I suppose they call him the L statesmen. The guys who were kind of thirty plus or Ryan is close to thirty, and then the rest of the team were all like twenty, twenty one. Do you know, Like I always kind of had said to I suppose Kyle and Koff in terms of, I will take your feedback on board. 100%. You know, at the end of the day, both of you guys have played at a high level for a number of time. In particular, obviously, Kyle with the Irish team and things like that. But what we need to make sure is just amongst the rest of the group that they all know, I suppose, who the coaches. you know? So at times, like, me and the guys would have had debriefs after trainings or after games. Uh, meet the, I would have taken, always taking the feedback on board and things like that. So it was very open communication, I suppose, me going in to coach team and I wanted the best. So I wasn't going to go in with the mentality of, this is my way and we're doing it my way you know i was very much open to to change to improve my own coaching skills to learn from i suppose again as you mentioned having a player like kyle on the team you know and um, mm-hmm. so i suppose that we opened that form of communication it, it worked well obviously look, there was times where he he taught one thing and i taught another thing you know um, and we always kind of look, we went with whatever and look so far so good anyway you know i know this sounds a basic question but like i remember you know
2: Talking to Mickey, you know, um, when Demons had opted out of the league, you know, 93 to 98 came back and he talked about the importance of it for younger players. And I suppose you would have been off that, who he would have had in mind. Now that Demons is back, what what is the importance of Demons being back in the Super League now
3: that you are back? What what has it changed about the club? Uh, look, it definitely brought a massive buzz back in the club in terms of even the fans back and you know, getting fans back in the games. We, like we've a, we've very good under-20 team as well now. We're in the last four under-20 National Cup, so it's, I suppose a couple of years ago with Demons, without you know, they weren't at the like the top level under-20, under-18, so there was nobody really coming through. Where now we're looking at, like, we were, you know, Demons lost to UCD Marion last year in the under-20 Cup um, final. This year, and they're in the last four for the under-20 Cup final, and a lot of the guys coming back, um, we've a young Super League team, so there's there's a lot of hunger there because you've a lot of guys who are or you do want the team who are obviously, you know, fighting for the wrong minutes and things like that. You have guys that are coming to the games, watching the trainings, wanting to play at this level next year, you know. So it, it it's as, as it was, I suppose, when I was growing up. Because I remember, you know, coming out of minor level and the likes of Shane Call and all them were playing Super League and you know, to be called or to be asked to fall in with the super league team on give a given night when maybe they were short bodies and things like that it was it was great that, you know, geez, I got to train with these guys tonight. And that's the way it is as well. We've so many young fellas, if I was to send out a text and say, you know, to like say Daryl Cuff there and or, you know, any of the young guys to say, oh, we're short there. Do you mind falling? Like, you know, the answer would always be 100% yes. And the guys, they just want to play basketball, you know? It just, so Danny, I guess
1: when you can, look, you're, you're an interesting one because you probably finished playing at the top level earlier than probably you would have expected. And, uh, it's it's one that you. Uh, I'm not sure if that was because of limited opportunities. As that Demons team were really successful, and it, it's hard to keep kind of that slog going when you're not getting rewarded with opportunities in that same space. And just over the next couple of years, with you kind of on the sideline, now, if if demons follow the trajectory that you're hoping, and demons get back up to competing for kind of league and cup titles, how do you keep the the modern day Danny O'Mahony kind of interested in staying involved and so that these young lads don't just see that there's an opportunity to eventually get to super league, but that they're actually part of it. So that in the next couple of years, like I think a lot of super league teams is that old guys win, win trophies. And uh, (laughs) when when the old guys are doing it, that it's almost forgotten about for a little while, the underage players. And then it's uh, almost cyclical where you have to restart like you guys are doing. So, how, over the next couple of years, are you going to be able to keep progressing towards the end goal, but then also keeping kind of the, the approach that you have at the moment?
3: I suppose it's easier played out on paper as it is coached on the sideline. And always, kind of, when you try to mark out these things, you try and find the right balance of, you know, the experienced players with the young players. Um, you know, like I, I'm always. Look, like, we always go quite deep into our lineups um on any given day. You know, we don't kind of run with five and six players multiple times. There's always 10 or 11 players that are get an opportunity to play. Um, you know, obviously like so Kyle, Carlton, Diesel is okay. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of years left in them, as much as I'd love them guys to keep going. But what we try to do is make sure that the younger guys, like obviously at the moment you've like James Hannigan has kind of been on the starting five for majority of time. Dave Lehan is playing some big minutes. That what you want is you want the guys who are 21, 22 to play in big minutes at this age. So that basically kind of when, if there was someone, a slot open up on team and someone moves on, it's not a case of, okay, well, Who's going to be the, this role model? Load the fact that you know we've there's a void in the team, so what we expect then is that the new guys come in, the 18, 19 year olds breaking the team and they take the roles that were formerly played by, like, so James Hannigan, Scott Hannigan, Dave Lehan. You know, um, I suppose yeah. it's really just identified multiple roles in the team. You know,
2: you were thrown in right away, right in first league game, Neptune, yeah. first cup game neptune the, the local derby element i mean first of all because we're about to talk about another local derby this weekend just on on those did, did you did you was there a moment in it you were saying yeah this is what it's about even though you were on the wrong side at two close games what and you were rared on that rivalry like um and so was your wife right what, what from the other side what was it like being on the sideline in those two games and
3: did you have that moment, like, yeah, this is where it's going? No, look, definitely. I think you said it there, I was having that moment. Because even though last year, obviously, doing National League, and it was the top, I was managing Demons National League, team the top team, you know, obviously, there was times. One, we started off the league campaign due to COVID restrictions, playing behind closed doors, 50 people in the gym, including both teams. So, like, we were down to Mary Arena September, October last year with next to nobody in the crowd, you know. Um, and then as it went down, obviously, we played some games and because we were successful, sometimes people weren't turning up to the games because, ah, uh, should demons have played this team, they're definitely going to win. You know, and it was that, whereas the Neptune game, definitely, when you walked in, even the hype coming up to it, that was done, I suppose, through social media and local media and stuff. Um, when we got to it, definitely, I think when, you know, as the teams went in the dressing room, as they were being called out. You know, I obviously denies the everything. There was a little bit of all right, this yeah, this this is what it's all about, like you know, this is it, this is the super league, you know. Um so,
2: that, so now you're into Ballinkalig, and I suppose in the years that demons were out of the league, they came in uh into the super league, obviously led a lot of the way last year, where you could argue done by the format, the, the, Yeah, they did all the they did all the heavy lifting, the front running. Um they're interesting because there There's obviously huge links and with, with, with you know the playing personnel, particularly with let's say the O'Sullivan's having played with demons. I suppose they were traditionally a sort of feeder club to demons before they actually decided why don't we become our own. They've staked out that claim themselves. I mean, what is this relationship stroke rivalry like? Uh, it's uh, it's a different dynamic. Obviously, it's an which is historical. Northside v Northside. What
3: what is the bal- balancolic demons dynamic like? Yeah, it's you are right. Maybe it is the north northside north side that keeps the demons at I suppose even just the longevity. Talk about you know the early 80s, you know, of demons and neptune, and maybe it's just that's a it is. Um look, obviously, look, it's still a rivalry. I obviously the second game the season, I think it was okay so first game of the season we played Neptune, I sold out Neptune Stadium, I had the rivalry feel everything. The following week we played a home game to green like Greena. It, it didn't have the atmosphere, or it didn't have maybe even the game. Obviously, Ballincollig came out well on top that day, whereas the week prior it was a you know it was a single basket, which decided it. Um, look, we will be treating it just as kind of any other game. Um, the guys know, obviously. Look, some of the local guys growing up, they would have played against Ballincollig. Some of them would have been, you know, have lost out to Ballincollig in different games growing up. The first, the second game of the season, obviously when they beat us, you know, like for us, it's kind of like. Right, grand. We can't afford to kind of drop any more ones. And um, we're kind of playing a bit of catch up now after losing the two games to Sligo and Colin. So going into this game now, like, you know, we're kind of, I suppose, all guns blazing to try and come out with a result.
1: And just on that, Danny, so we're, we're going to finish up shortly here, but we're at the halfway point. It's kind of, I don't think, I think it's fair to say that no team has really stood out as like someone has to figure out a way to beat them. Yeah. There's, lots of, there's lots of teams. There's probably six, seven teams who think they have a very good chance of winning the league this year. So what what do you think, what are you looking out for kind of early in the, uh, in the well, over the next couple of weeks that's going to kind of separate out those teams and, uh, and what do you think that people should be really paying attention to as we figure out who's going to eventually get their hands on the trophy?
3: I suppose as I said, it's the chasing pack, you know, like, as in we're, we're looking there at the moment, obviously we're in a playoff position at the moment, kind of sitting in fourth, um, but the teams below us are winning. I've been now kind of looking at the fixtures over the next couple of weeks, and I'm seeing, okay, look, I, I see Trelee should win that game, I see Kellargan should win that game, so kind of putting that bit of pressure on yourself that, okay, if we don't win these games, you know, then we could become the chasing pack. Um. I think it's, look, I know we're all going to be playing each other a second time. And then obviously with the coverage on basketball or on TV, it's quite easy to scout teams. So teams are becoming more like, teams know each other's personnel more. They're looking who's doing the scoring. They're looking at the defenses, the offenses. So coaches are now really able to kind of, I suppose, analyze what other teams are doing. Um, And I think we come down to that as well. Sometimes who's done the homework better than the other team and different things like that, you know.
1: Okay, brilliant.
3: Well, look, Danny, uh, it's fantastic to have Demons back in the
1: league. I think it's one of the clubs that it's important to have them in the league. The league gets lesser when they're not there. So, uh, fair play to you for all the work that you've done to get them to this point. And look, you're obviously there in with a shout. So, we'll be keeping a key eye on you over the next few weeks.
3: And uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. Aye, perfect, guys. Thanks very much, Joachim. So,
2: so Danny. So, we're there, Connor, I suppose. Demons is a club that... You know, has been around the league for a while. While there's a return for them into the big time, the Super League. Then, I suppose we've been primarily looking at the Super League, but we also have very competitive first divisions, divisions in both men's and women's, and uh, fascinating in their own right, particularly because of the geographical spread. And just when we were talking beforehand, one that is just a phenomenon, and we're we're going to delve into it now, Kevin. So we're we're delighted to be joined by Carol. Um, hi, Carol.
0: Hi, Carl.
3: Hey very Carol. nice to meet
2: you, Carol, Look, I'll be honest. I I, I suppose I'm a geographic historian of the sport, uh, <laughs> and just looking at we wouldn't have traditionally, um, I suppose, non-Belfast Ulster being competitive. You know, there was. Cookstown would have been competitive in the late 80s, underage men's, and in the 90s, I suppose we've had so, uh, National League teams now in Donegal recently, but there, there's a lot of spots where it just has been in Oasis. there's been virtually no basketball wastelands. Cavan traditionally has been that, but you, went to, you, you set up this club 10 years ago, and yeah. now you're the assistant coach to a team that are top of the first division in your first year there. So A, congratulations, and B, how did you do it?
0: <laughs> good question <laughs> <laughs> we're still trying to answer that ourselves
2: are you operating out of the town of Is out
0: of it- virginia in marie's G- Cavan eagles but there's there's other clubs in the area as well it's, it's a massive geo- geographical area like we play games in monaghan we play in mead and we've got us down as far as street and longford
1: um see it's carol Verscoyle for anyone who doesn't uh, know so um carol You and your family have been involved in basketball for a a long time. You've got two boys who, one is playing Super League at the moment for Vincent's Jake, and uh, Dara also played kind of for Thunder and for Denny Dame for a number of years. How did you get involved in basketball and kind of what made you suddenly the Pied Piper of basketball up in uh, Virginia for (laughs) these uh, cabin eagles?
0: Well, obviously, we're we're, we're not originally from cabin. We're from Dublin. So um, I would have played basketball. My whole family played. My brothers, my sister played. We all played. Um, I would have been involved with Crusaders basketball up in um, Dublin with Deborah McArdle. And from there, that's when I really got into the coaching end of it. Uh, Dara is, oh, I'd be afraid to even say how many years he's playing <laughs> but, um, and still playing. So I would have coached him at underage. Then Jake came along. The, the, the strangest part of that is he he'd no interest in basketball at all. <laughs> and it's amazing that it, it became his, his his main sport and he's playing Super League now. And he played in Cavan. That's where the Cavan, we were living in Cavan and he played for East Cavan Eagles. He was the, the, the first, you know, that was that first under 12 boys team that we had. Um, the, the, with the local leagues here at the time, if you wanted to progress, you really needed to move out of the area, unfortunately. And that's what he did. How he ended up going up to Dublin, back up to Vincent's, where Dara had been a long, a long old trek yeah, you, every Saturday, you be, Sunday morning.
2: So, so you'd be both commuting, bringing Jake
0: to yeah.
2: Dublin, right, and then staying and coaching in Virginia with the club, right? Yeah. So God, it was full on for you. And but I suppose part of the motivation would it have been that you would build up enough of a talent base like even here i'm i'm i'm, I'm living in and coaching in Clare, carol and i suppose the natural gravitational pull for players who are just a little bit beyond is to is to gravitate possibly towards limerick and i suppose one of the challenges will be that you'd be looking for a pathway that more of them remain possibly in a Clare the way you have created a cavern so but that's that's hard to do, but you've been able to do it. Like we were talking about the under 12s. How did you create nearly a critical mass to, that, you, that you're that you now able to create a, a, a National League team?
0: It was, to be honest with you, it was full on. There were four of us myself, my husband, and Laura and Porrick McAvoy. We set the club up and we set it up with just the four of us. So all four of us were out every night of the week coaching. And every weekend, then it was just games from early Saturday morning and you fell home on Sunday evening having coached non-stop, um, you could have five games in a day. And then it just went from there. We got, you know, I realised realizing we need more people involved here. We have to get help and we got help in and and the community has been fantastic in their support.
2: Traditionally, Kevin would be like, obviously it's, it's, it's legendary, you know, historically for how oh good it was at Gaelic football. You know, particularly in the '30s and '40s, but obviously they won again in 2020. But like, how receptive did you find Kevin towards basketball? And and, and like, getting you like you you were steeped in it. You said, but there's people who you did get help from that probably knew very little. That the only the, the first experience they had to basketball was because their kids were willing to try it out. So. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, to be honest with you, you, know we did we 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 brought a lot to the area. Um. Danny there, who you were talking to, he came up with potentials and ran camps, Ken Black's camps, we brought them. Thunder came up, that's how our association with Dave is there, um, and they introduced, I suppose, a higher level of basketball. They played some exhibition games for us up in the up in the college, and it kind of got people interested. We, we got busloads of kids and we brought them to games up in, up in Dublin over the years, bringing them to Super League games, showing them really what it was like, you know um you're always i think once you're in a rural area you're going to compete with you know this the same pool of children play all the sports so you'll have a guy and he'll be playing gaelic he'll be playing soccer he'll be playing basketball playing the rugby and you're trying to fit it all in and you know work your your schedules around oh well there's a cup game this weekend we can't have this game we can't have that game sure you're talking to the gaelic coach to try and organize when you're going to have you know, set a particular match so that it isn't clashing with something else, and it's, it's, it's not easy, but you just you have to find a way around it.
1: And Carol, I, I remember talking to uh Dara Gaffney. So, Dara would have been involved uh, with Marion for a few years, yeah. and he's kind of up that, that neck of the woods a couple of years ago. He was kind of talking about this idea that a national league team was uh, potentially coming. When did the idea that? You would actually go to National League ever kind of come about, or was it always on the radar for you that you'd love to get? It to this was stage always had
0: been an ambition. Yeah, it was okay. always there that we wanted to do it. Um, unfortunately, again, it's it's a it's a rural phenomenon. When they when they get to a certain age, they're they're looking to go to college, you know, move abroad for work, even up to you know, it could be over to Galway, down to Cork, up to back to Dublin for for work. So you lose your pool of players. So we kind of said, how are we going to put us, you know, how are we going to stop it? Or what's going to encourage people to stay And at the local level, like our ladies team last year and no disrespect to the local league. We had some, some good games, but they went unbeaten all season, the ladies team. So you kind of, you have to create a challenge. You have to, you have to put something there. That's to give people a focus on what you're going to work towards. So the ambition was always there for national league that we we did look at it last year but we kind of had to take a step back and and you know just to say no we're not ready for this we haven't we haven't got our all our our, our homework done and we we have to put it you know put a put a stop to it and get ourselves organized and go for it again which is what we did this year we've we've really been lucky i suppose in that in the pool of players we have like we have there's five of the the ladies who've actually had some Time in their their basketball career have played on international teams. Are they all
2: homegrown, or all homegrown?
0: Now we are. We're we're young, but you know that's that's five homegrown players.
2: You're obviously coaching them very well, if you can say so yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What what have you found is the key? You've been coaching, you know.
0: Well, I would have coached most of them them at some at some point throughout their Mm -hmm. the years playing underage. We've Mm -hmm. other players, other coaches in the club, like as Connor mentioned, there, Dara Gaffney. Um, we we've, we have other other coaches. I think that the coaching clinics have been a huge benefit because it brought other players in, That you know, t- to give people something to aspire to. to. Uh, the coaches themselves were fantastic. And they've, you know, been kind of there as a resource all the time for us. Obviously, the girls gone off on their international level, have have, you know brought back a certain level of expertise that we wouldn't have had before. The boys side of it, we've we've had international players in the boys as well. So there's always the level has always been quite high. Um but as I say, it's just you, you, you tend to lose them once they turn eighteen because because they're going to college, they're going somewhere else. So now we've people travelling back to Cavan to right. train. that's part of why you yeah.
2: did it um, you know, to retention or to make an attraction. But by the same token when you do that for the players, it means an awful lot of work at committee level. I mean, you tell me what it's been what goes with we being have, a national like, league. To be help.
0: honest, we, we have an army of helpers. That's the only way I could put yeah. it. Um the committee are, 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 are excellent. There's 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 a group of people there and behind the scene work is just it's phenomenal the the amount of of time they put in. We have we even the show centre there now, which is uh, new to us, but a up for for a national league game. There's an army of chairs brought in from the school. They're, they're all set up. The court, the court is swept. The the doors are manned. The hospitality is there for for the visiting teams. It's just, and it all has to be put back away at the end of the I, game as I well. Think, so uh, it's a huge effort goes into
1: it. Carol I, I think uh so. People who aren't familiar with uh, when when we say the show center. Uh, just the scale of what has been achieved up there is it's it's one of the like, I have to say from my time within Basketball Ireland, it's definitely one of the most progressive uh, clubs in terms of what they're trying to do. But then also the way they went about actually trying to achieve what they've done in the show centre is, is unbelievable. So for people who don't know, it, the show centre is kind of a. Uh, a multi-purpose event center that's not used for the majority of the year it's um and it was available to east cabin eagles and one of the key things that allowed uh, well enabled not allowed enabled the development to happen was that um we're, we're talking about the kind of downsides of uh, kind of trying to develop a club within rural ireland but the other side of that is that leader funding through the eu is for kind of developing rural areas and one of the things that it allowed uh was the floor and different things were brought in carol isn't that right and it's as i think people should go on to basketball ireland tv those who have access to it and just see the setup because it's as good a, a setup as you're going to find it's better than the majority of super league teams it's it is something to kind of behold yeah uh,
0: what you'd really like to see is that that area before the floor goes in the floor is um, a removable floor the show center is actually an agricultural show center so two weeks before our first national league game was the virginia show um, which is one of the biggest agricultural shows in the country like there were cows and sheep on exhibition in the in that hall prior to that again an army of people came in to put the floor down it takes a huge amount of work um it's, as I say, it's removable. We had to get the uh, the rings in. We had hoped to get, you know, just the portable ones that you could roll out. But it, well, the, the floor just well, it wasn't suitable. So we ended up having to get uh, rings custom made that would come down from the ceiling. And I know there's plenty of places have rings that come down from the ceiling, but with the shutters to allow the cattle in and out, you couldn't just have normal rings that would come down. So there was a whole uh, set of problems evolved around that that had to be solved um yeah it's just it's it's incredible and the facilities are are, are excellent we can get so many people
2: there's, there's the people in the, both helping out with the club but then there's people going along are there people going along to watch now like has packed
0: it out. I, packed out
2: is that right like i mean yeah it, there is a buzz around it's it has created as a has it got into early the cabin public consciousness where it's crossed over the way that you know if you're in Tralee now you know that there's a game going down in the complex yep. or like uh, uh, the Cavan public have nearly got into this it's not just oh, for yeah, the yeah, club yeah, members yeah
0: yeah yeah I mean yeah. we, 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 we are east cavan eagles as a club the national ladies team is McAvoy's cavan eagles and the support is phenomenal I, the, the people coming to, to 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 actually attend the games we're, we're, we're practically full house every game uh, and our, our sponsors have been fantastic. We we have we've, we've several sponsors on board now, and it just wouldn't be possible without them. To be honest with you, it's it's, it's fantastic the the level of support we're, that we're getting.
2: One thing being in the league, but your performance so like you you're you're, you're topping the league at the moment. What has that? Have you surprised yourselves how well you've done in your first season? Um,
0: I think to be honest, we did recruit well. Um, we have uh, Dave Baker as our as our head coach. And Dave would have done, you know, camps as I said before with Thunder up in up in the clubs, and that's our, how our association with with Dave goes back many many years. So I contacted him to ask because obviously he has connections with you know recruitment. That's his forte, and just in talking to him, and as we were going along, it just became a little bit of a no brainer, you know, to to get him on board. He was interested and excited to come on board with us. So he has a host of experience and he's brought in an energy and an expertise that we wouldn't have necessarily have had without it so that has helped what, when you're talking about recruiting team.
2: are you talking about uh players from I, irish players from other We've parts brought in, or... we, have
0: two, we have two american players that we brought in and we have one girl from spain and then the rest are all homegrown are, are right. all bar one have all played all their basketball with the club okay it's one balance. girl came from dunchoclin but other than that everybody has come up through the through the ranks
1: and and Carol, just that first game of the season was a home game against carlo just
0: that's right yeah
1: for you for yourself and the McAvoy's was it a little bit of a, a kind of staring around in this beautiful kind of setup national league all this kind of happening that in such a short space of time where you could you believe it or can you believe it? or of to, It
0: is hard to believe. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, it, it's, and it's great to see it. You know, the support that's there, the amount of people that are on board now and are, are you know, involved in helping and making it all happen. It's just incredible it's, to see the girls like some of them. You would have coached from under 12 and you're looking at them now and they're on the court and senior ladies national league it's great yeah like it's people, you,
2: you you would have seen and coached those girls their first layup yep. you know something they couldn't yep. do and you saw it i know you're seeing them doing it at, at the national league level like for sure
0: yeah. I, yeah I won't mention names now but there, there was one girl under 12 and you know at that age run up and down up and down up and down and the ball just would not go in the net no matter what she did she wasn't scoring the basket and I remember her dad saying to me oh my god is she ever going to be able to score and I said you know don't worry it'll come it will come the game will come where the layup will drop and you know it'll, that's from there on she'll be and there she is starting that's, five on the uh, national league uh, ladies that, team. That,
2: that's that's brilliant carol look it's yeah. a fantastic um story a fantastic achievement um you know very well done because thank you very that's much. what we want the growth of the sport um throughout the country you know it's called a national league and you're definitely helping that and you know being good dublin basketball person you're spreading the word and congratulations to all of you there and the, and the very best of luck and thanks for joining us uh, on thank the you podcast.
0: very much thank you thanks a lot Hello, thanks,
2: connor, thank you thanks connor connor it's um it's a great story, isn't it? Like even just uh, and, and someone like Carol, who there's like even non-national league clubs, just the clubs in 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 rural Ireland outside of you know, it's it's often one or two people who are driving the whole thing. Like she's talking there about every day they're out, they were out coaching, and but they're they're getting the rewards. It's um it's it's lovely to see you. You would you've known Carol much before?
1: No, not, not at all. Uh, so I know of the family. So uh, Dara's a couple of years older than me. And uh, Jake, I know a little bit. I've played against him once or twice. And uh, I, I keep a close eye on Vincent because uh coached us last year. And I know Josco had coached with Carol and had coached Jake underage. So I, I keep a close eye on them. But uh, it, look, it, it's absolutely brilliant to see. And... Um, i think we're starting to see a spread around the country that we haven't seen before and i think even myself lazily i would have just said uh one of the reasons for the growth of it has been just like oh there's immigration into different parts of the country and there's a natural interest in basketball that's kind of grown up but it does such a disservice to the people like carol who have actually gone out and really made a tangible uh, impact in their community and uh have grown the game the idea that there's something there that they and even travel back to up to cabin to play in, uh, in the national league is is really interesting really exciting and as i said i the way they've gone about it of getting the foundation of the club really strong so that they i, I read a thing before they the first game of the season where they're saying they don't want this to be a kind of a a, a toe, or a flash in the pan kind of let's see what this is like. They they have the structures there. They've built it up from scratch, and it's something that a lot of a lot of clubs could could really look at. And uh, the the leader part of it and the funding is a route that uh, I think in Irish basketball we've been really poor at uh, finding routes to funding in the past. So uh, there's potentially other clubs who could could learn from them. So uh, no, a really interesting story and. As you said, they're top of their conference in the in the Women's National League. They got knocked out by in the cup on a buzzer beater in leash uh, So, uh, kind of a tough lesson there. But uh, it'll be fascinating to see how they get on the second half of the season.
2: Exactly. So, so that's it for this week's podcast, everybody. Um, Connor, you have to go back to. Are you changing nappies yet? Are you?
1: uh modern man you know if we do, all,
2: <laughs> do <it> all. <laughs> all right brilliant well all the best in that and all the best of the teams that are out and we'll be back this time next week uh thank you all for joining us on the examiner on Net basketball podcast